Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my Everyday Truth team. Appreciate you joining us today. Glad that you're listening. We're in the very famous Jeremiah chapter 29 today, and we just finished talking about some really, really great verses that many of us have have learned and memorized and quoted and remembered at strategic times that God thinks about us and his thoughts toward us are good. Uh, They're thoughts of peace. And God has a desire to bring us to an expected end. I think about the New Testament promise found in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, and that is that God has made it a sure thing that those of us that have believed in Jesus will ultimately be just like Jesus. Uh, he wants to conform us to the image of Christ. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. And so the expected end that he has for the New Testament believer is not just a place like going to Jerusalem and seeing a temple, but it's a it's a person. It's that we would be like Christ and that our temple of our body would ultimately be conformed uh, to be like his. He wants to make us like Christ in spirit. That's what happened at the moment of your salvation. You were declared not guilty. And then in our sanctification, as we listen to God's word, and as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us, we're made, we're made to be more like Jesus every single day. That's the process of sanctification. And then one day, we will actually see Jesus, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, and we will be made like him because we will see him as he is. That's glorification. And that's the expected end, that he that begins a good work in us, he performs it. God's working on us and bringing us out of the captivity of sin and this world and and making us more like Jesus. So there's so rich uh, theology in all of this as well. We're in verse number 15 of Jeremiah 29. It says, because ye have said, the Lord hath raised us up prophets in Babylon. So God just said, here's my plan for you. But, but here's what you're saying. And here's what's holding you back. You're saying, well, God raised us up prophets here in Babylon. Verse number 16, know that thus saith the Lord of uh, of the king that sitteth upon the throne of David. Okay, so God says, all right, here's what you don't know. You you have these prophets that are giving you this, this false narrative in Babylon, and you're thinking erroneously that you have the bad end of the bargain because you're in captivity and you're not back in Jerusalem in freedom with the king of David who's there, the son of David, Zedekiah, who's not a good king, there, and somehow you've missed out. But here's what God says, okay? I'm the king of the, uh, I'm the Lord of the king that sitteth upon the throne of David uh, and of the people that dwelleth in this city and of your brethren that are not gone forth with you into captivity. So God says, all right, let me tell you something. You don't see what's happening back home, but I do. You're not in charge of what's going on back home, but I am. 
So for those of you that are thinking that somehow you got the short end of the straw because you're in captivity and I told you you're going to be there for a while and you can see the peace of your city and I will perform my good word. I'll bring you back one day. If you're thinking somehow that you've missed out and that the people back home, you know, somehow they're more spiritual than you and that's why they weren't taken into captivity and uh, they must have a closer walk with God than you because after all, they weren't kidnapped. No, no, banish that thinking from your mind because this is the reality. Verse number 17, thus saith the Lord of hosts, behold, I will send upon them, the people in Jerusalem, the people that aren't in captivity, I will set upon them the sword, the famine, the pestilence. I will make them like vile figs that cannot be eaten. They are so evil. Remember a previous parable? They're like rotten fruit, rotten figs. I will persecute them with the sword, with the famine, and with the pestilence, and will deliver them to the remo- to be removed to all the kingdoms of the earth, to be a curse, an astonishment, and hissing, a reproach among all the nations whither I have driven them. So what's God saying? God's saying, just because I've delayed my judgment of them doesn't mean that they're less guilty than you. In fact, the captivity to which you submitted is actually an indication that you understood my sovereignty. That's what I've been telling the people here in Jerusalem. Hey, receive this yoke of wood, lest it become a yoke of iron. But they are continuing to live in rebellion. They're continuing to live in opposition to what I've told them. And things are going to get really, really bad here. Verse number 19, because that because they have not hearkened to my words. They're not listening, said God. They're not listening to me. They have not hearkened to my words, saith the Lord, which I sent unto them by my servants, the prophets, rising up early, sending them, but ye would not hear, saith the Lord. So they, they have had opportunity. I've given them increased doses of the word of God. Uh, I've done it early. Uh, they're, they're, I've not delayed and yet they have not been listening. Hear ye therefore the word of the Lord, all ye of the captivity whom I sent from Jerusalem to Babylon. Okay, so now with this new information that you're not the ones that have it bad, the ones that are still here in Jerusalem that aren't listening, they're the ones that have it bad because they're the ones living in rebellion. And ultimately, they will taste something worse than captivity because one-third of them are going to die by the sword. One-third of them are going to die in famine and in disease. And those that do go into captivity, their captivity is going to be much, much worse. So sometimes if we're not careful, we kind of look at the other side of the fence and think, well, why aren't they judged yet? Why don't bad things happen to them. And uh, why, why is this happening? No, 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 no. Trust God. God knows what he's doing and God will always hold people to account. That's not my job to figure it out. So God says, so based upon all of this new information, let me say something to you that are in captivity. So he's already given the letter right through Jeremiah, the first part of the chapter, but here's some additional information, some additional news that God wants to give these people in captivity. Verse number 21, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, 
uh, of and and okay, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. So here's the message from God. Who is it about? Well, the message that God is going to send them really centers on two people. We'll see why here in a moment. Who are those people? First of all, of Ahab, the son of Koliah, and of Zedekiah, not not King Zedekiah, but another man named Zedekiah, the son of Maaseah, which prophesy a lie unto you in my name. Okay, so God just told them, hey, don't buy into this logic that somehow because you're in captivity that the people that aren't in captivity are somehow more spiritual than you. They're not. I'm here, I know. And things are gonna be really bad for them. Nor should you believe the lying prophets that are among you, no matter how popular they are. And he points out two of them, one by the name of Ahab. I find that ironic because Ahab was an evil king. And the other by the name of Zedekiah, which is equally ironic because he's the last evil king of Judah. So these prophets, so these prophets that are telling you that you're going to come back to Jerusalem shortly and just listen to them, they're not speaking for me. So let me tell you something about them. Look at verse number 21 again. They prophesy a lie unto you in my name. Behold, I will deliver them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall slay them before your eyes. So these false prophets that are giving you a false message, declaring it to be in my name, I'm going to allow them to be arrested and brought before Nebuchadnezzar, and he's going to slay them, and it's going to be a public execution. But worse than that, it's going to be the most heinous kind of execution you can imagine, because the Bible says in verse number 22, and of them shall be taken up a curse by all the captivity of Judah, which are in Babylon, saying, the Lord make thee like Zedekiah and like Ahab. In other words, their names are going to be notorious for rebellion. The Lord make thee like Zedekiah and like Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire. So these prophets, these false prophets that just snubbed their nose at God and took upon them the audacity to say, I'm speaking for God, when they knew that they weren't, were going to be executed by Nebuchadnezzar and and really burned alive, roasted in the fire. Now, I know that sounds awful. It is awful, but it's also an awful thing that they dared to speak for God when they knew that God was not speaking. God takes his word seriously, and he allowed them to be taken in front of Nebuchadnezzar, and these heinous things did indeed happen, and it became a warning to all the people in captivity, don't mess with, don't be flippant with, don't be lighthearted about the word of God. And that would be good advice for you and for me today, that God takes his word very, very seriously. It says in verse 23, because they have committed villainy in Israel and have committed adultery with their neighbor's wives and have spoken lying words in my name, which I have not commanded them, even I know and I am a witness, saith the Lord. So God says, I'm witnessing against them. I've seen everything they've said. I've seen the immorality. And by the way, that often indicates when a person is a false prophet. Look at their lives. And so these men were uttering this prophecy as if they were speaking from God, but their lives of immorality 
should have been an indication that they really weren't defending or representing the character of God, but rather just seeking their own benefit. And it ultimately came down uh, to, to hurt them in the end. So we'll, we'll stop there in verse number 23. And we'll come back to verse 24 uh, next episode and finish the, the chapter. Uh, and uh, God has one more person to single out in this chapter. And I think it's wise that we we see it and learn from it as well. Remember, that's the reason God includes these negative accounts. Not so that we can have some kind of a sordid knowledge about bad things that happen to people, but rather that we would learn from it and not make the same mistakes. So I hope that helps. I'll see you next time. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.